Welcome to How My Country Works with your host, Stephen O'Shea, the podcast that rummages around the hoarder's basement of the global political system and pulls out the insightful gems hidden way at the back. Each episode will be working alphabetically through different countries' politics, so you can show off to your friends and maybe gain a slightly better understanding of just how those countries work. Next up, located in the Middle East, with the capital Manama, a population of 1.7 million and functioning as a constitutional monarchy, is Bahrain. In 2011, protests that began in Tunisia swept across much of the Arab world and throughout the Middle East, in what became known as the Arab Spring. Many leaders across the region were toppled or destabilised, but the monarchy that has ruled Bahrain since 1783 barely wobbled. Though protests primarily from the Muslim Shia majority, but also from those feeling generally disenfranchised, erupted in the small island state just off the coast of Saudi Arabia, these were brutally suppressed with the help of the larger, wealthier neighbour, and the country continued on much as it had before. With a relatively blunt parliament and a powerful monarchy, still ruled by the Khalifa family. In order to dive a little bit deeper into this and the historical and political climate of Bahrain, I'm joined on the show by Professor Zaneb Jassim, formerly of Sydney University, now residing back in her home country of Bahrain. Zaneb, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fun. Would you mind just starting with a brief overview of Bahrain and the Khalifa family that we touched on in the introduction? Okay, let's start from 1783 when Al Khalifa family came to the country. They actually invaded the country. Al Khalifa family are the royal family who are ruling the country today. So they came from from 1783 to the country. They came from Qatar, the neighboring country, invaded the country, and they were able to stay in power until today. Right, because they actually invaded and kicked out the Persians who had arrived in the 1600s. But how has this family been able to hold on for so long? So why they managed to stay in power from 1783 and 1800s and then 1900s, because they had very strong relationship with the British. They signed treaties with Britain in 1800 and then 1820s and then 1860s. And we have British bases. And then in 1971, Bahrain got independent officially from the British government. But they are still really have a strong relationship with the British because according to these treaties that Bahrain uh, should consult and take the opinion of the British government before having any foreign relationship with any other countries or without before having any ties with, with foreigners. That's why Al-Khalifa family or dynasty, they managed to stay in power from 1783 to today. Okay, so let me get this straight. The Khalifa family came in, but in order to maintain their power, they made a deal with the British, whereby the family controls Bahrain, but the British gets a say in their foreign policy and basically uses the country as a strategic base if need be. But in 1971, the country gets its full independence. Right. So in 1971, uh, they got independent from the British government. And then we had a parliament, the first parliament in the country 
1973. So people started having some power, people got elected, and after that, they started speaking up. So the government didn't really like that. Al Khalifa family didn't really like that. So they dissolved the parliament. Bahrain got independent in 1971. We have the first parliament in 1973, and then it got resolved in 1974. And sorry, in 1975. Ha! Well, that's pretty short lived. So from 1975 until today, people are demanding a real parliament, a true parliament. They want to go back to history. They want to go back to 1971. They, they say, okay, uh, the parliament of 1971, the constitution of 1971 is not perfect, but at least it's better than what we have today. Of course, because there was almost that taste of democracy and a certain level of freedom, and then it was taken away. But wait. How is it that they need to declare independence from the British in the first place? Why is the UK even in that region? Well, that's a very good question. Actually, uh, let's go back to history. Uh, before 1783, Bahrain, Bahrain has a very strategic location. It's uh, in the middle of the Persian Gulf and it has uh, pearl uh, pearl wealth as well. So it attracted lots of uh, powerful states. So it was invaded by the Persians, it was invaded uh, by Ottomans, it was invaded by even Omanis, its neighbors. So Bahrain needed to be protected. And who is better than Britain to protect Bahrain at that time? <laughs> I suppose that's one way to look at the British Empire. You know, like they were so powerful. So that's why Al-Khalifa dynasty, they were so smart. They associated themselves with the British so they can be protected. Yeah, I suppose that is pretty smart. And that's why I guess the relationship with Western powers continues to this day. I mean, the American Fifth Fleet is still based out of Bahrain. And that's also part of the reasoning behind their close relationship with their neighbours, Saudi Arabia as well, who are also American allies. Yes, you are very right that it is dominated actually by Saudi Arabia. And what makes Bahrain different as well from other countries in the Arab region, uh, that it has a Shia majority. Can you just touch on that a little more, as many listeners might not be clear on the split? Uh, so like, we have two sects in Islam. We have Shias and we have Sunnis. So Al-Khalifa family are from the Sunni minority and uh, the majority of people in Bahrain are Shias. And there are there or there were uh, during the history tension between uh, the Shias of Bahrain and uh, the, the Sunni royal family, not because of sectarian reasons, but because the Shias were marginalized and and have been marginalized and discriminated against. Right, and I think that's important context for people to note that the big rivals in the region are Saudi Arabia, which is Sunni dominated, and Iran, which is Shia dominated. And Saudi Arabia really looks after Bahrain, right? Like I read, it even gets most of its food and water from them. It is very reliant on Saudi Arabia in a way. Uh, Funnily enough, like we have some sectors in Bahrain who are uh, heavily supported by Saudi Arabia. Sometimes Saudi Arabia even bring foreign workers and pay their salaries. And that's why when the Arab Spring came to Bahrain in 2011, Saudi Arabia was successful to crush it and to crack down on it because they have this power over the country. Like even if Al-Khalifa wanted to have some reforms, Saudi Arabia wouldn't allow them and and they would be successful not to allow them because they have power over them. Um, um, They give them, as you said, water, 
they uh, they give them some wealth, they give them some revenues of the oils. Like even the oil field in Bahrain um, are controlled by Saudi Arabia. So yeah, it's it's like a province of Saudi Arabia, really. Wow, that is very connected then. And you kind of touched on the crushing of any reforms there. Is this something that people in Bahrain are regularly pushing for? That's a very big question. So let's go back to history as well. So since Al-Khalifa invaded the country in 1783, uh, they lack legitimacy because they are not Bahrainis themselves. They are not indigenous. They came from a neighboring country. They invaded uh, the country and they controlled it. So they lack legitimacy not only today, but from 1783. So uh, people of Bahrain revolted in 1920s, in 1930s, in 1950s, in 1990s, in 2001, in, and then in 2011. So that was, uh, it wasn't, oh, just because of the Arab Spring, that's why Bahrain revolted or Bahraini people revolted. Uh, they wanted some economic reforms, political reforms. Um, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of gathering since centuries, you know, not only since the Arab Spring. Wow, yeah. Why was 2011 so significant then? All the lights were shed on the Arab region. So Bahraini people were like, okay, now the people are watching. Now the whole world is watching. So this is a really golden opportunity to revolt. So that's why Bahraini people uprised and um, and they protested and their demands were political reforms, powerful parliaments, because we don't have powerful parliaments. We have just parliaments who don't have any power and who doesn't have any legislative tools, right? So people wanted a true uh, legislative representative to them, right? And they wanted political reforms, economic reforms. They want elimination of poverty. They wanted elimination of discrimination against the majority of people who are Shias. That's why they revolted. Of course. I think these were similar desires across the region. So why didn't it succeed? Why? Their revolution didn't succeed because <clears throat> because um, Saudi Arabia deployed their troops, one thousand five hundred troops, to crack down on civilian people on civilian people who were chanting peacefully, peacefully, right? So they uh, used excessive force against them. There was no really lots of media covering what was happening. And the United States and the British government were supportive of the Al-Khalifa regime because of oil and because of their interests. Right. That's pretty disappointing from a Western perspective. Like even Barack Obama, for instance, for instance, at that time, he was supporting the revolution in Egypt and the revolution in Libya and even the revolution in Syria, but no one would talk about the revolution in Bahrain. And when he was talking about Bahrain, he talked a bit, but he was like reluctant. He wouldn't criticize Al-Khalifa regime uh, openly. Like he would say, oh, we do respect the Al-Khalifa regime in Bahrain, but they still need to do some reforms. You know, like he was very diplomatic when it came to Bahrain. Yeah, right. So with all these protests against the current system, can you explain what the system actually is? The Al-Khalifa regime claimed that it is a constitutional monarchy, but in reality, it is not a constitutional monarchy. It is a an absolute monarchy. Like we have the royal family. They rule the whole country. They appoint the government. They appoint the ministers, right? And then you have a parliament. 
This parliament has two sides. One of them is elected by the government. The other one is appointed by the government. Both of them have a legislative power. So in reality, you don't have any people power here. You know, like you have just the government controlling everything. And this parliament is useless. Like they, this parliament cannot even have or cannot even appoint a minister and they cannot even have a law because if the legis- if the elected part of this parliament want to have a good law for people the appointed side of this parliament will just hinder this uh, this law right so you have the chamber of deputies which is elected by the people and the consultative council which is appointed by the king but both with relatively equal power So it would actually be impossible to pass any significant reforms against the monarchy as they actually control one of the bodies. That's why people uh, were not happy after 2002 and they kept protesting until 2011 and then 2011 uh, protested again. Of course. But outside of politics, the country is relatively moderate for the region, right? Uh, Yeah, what you are saying is very accurate. Uh, We don't have political freedom, but we have some social freedoms. Um, Like, for instance, in Bahrain, there is more openness. People are not forced to cover. Uh, Women are not forced to cover. Um, uh, People are not forced to go to mosques, for instance. Um, People will have more social freedoms, you know, like we we even have uh, some some hotels, uh, some some drinking, some bars. That's why Saudis uh, will will come to enjoy their their life in Bahrain, because it's it's just more open. It's it's uh, when it comes to social life, it's like Dubai, you know, like it has some openness. We have um, lots of expects. We have. I think 50% of people in Bahrain are foreigners, you know, like from Asia and from other countries. So, you know, like it's 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 very uh, normal to walk in the Bahraini streets and uh, Bahraini cities and see foreigners and see people with, with, with different cultures and with different religions. So we don't have this closeness, you know. It's not like, oh, it's a Muslim country and uh, it's all Islamic and not like Saudi Arabia. It's more open. Interesting. Could you also just tell us about a holiday celebration or event that is big in Bahrain? Because the majority of Bahraini people are Muslims. Uh, that's why we do celebrate the uh, Islamic celebrations, like I would say Eid, for instance. Uh, now, because of coronavirus, unfortunately, people are not really celebrating it. We are sitting at home, but usually we visit families. We, uh, uh, you know, we gather, we have lots of food. Also, we have the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan in which people fast for 30 days, they fast from uh, dawn until sunset. And then after that, they eat lots of food. That's why we gain weight, actually. It's not supposed to be that way. You know, the fasting is supposed to be, you know, to feel about the poor people and not to eat a lot. But, you know, like um, people are not doing it right. But anyway, after this one month, uh, we have another Eid. So Eid is a big celebration. It's like the Christmas, you know, like everyone celebrates, everyone uh, gather and uh, we distribute lots of food and money as well for children. Uh, children go from a day to another. That's like Halloween, you know, in the West. Uh, children go from a day uh, a, a house to another to have some sweet. So the same thing happens in Bahrain. <laughs> that does sound similar to Halloween. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Of course. Thanks, Steve. I think that's also a perfect place to end the show. Thanks so much to my guest, Zaneb Jassim. 
Join us next time where we'll be exploring the Asian nation of Bangladesh. As always, please do rate us on your podcast app and recommend us to any friends that have a hankering for political knowledge. Follow us on Instagram at HowMyCountryWorks for extra insights and facts. And there you can message us around anything else you'd like to know about Bahrain or any other country. This podcast was produced by Stephen O'Shea and sound editing is by Ashley Brown. See you next time and remember to keep asking how my country works.